All right, before we begin today's episode, we wanted to give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon, and those individuals are Eric Sari, Andy Herbrand, we've got Lauren L., we've got Paul C., and we of course have Nate Hansen with Hansen Screen Printing. Definitely check out Hanson Screen Printing. They are amazing individuals over there uh, crafting up fine printed items right there in the, the heart of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Let's go ahead and jump in. Woo. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. It's definitely your weekly dose of the Dairy State, and uh, we are, of course, your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ. And, uh, hey, we have a fine episode today. We are talking about the man that put Wisconsin Dells and Kilbourne City on the map. And uh, this is H.H. Bennett. And, uh, hey, this has been an episode uh, in the making for the last how many? Uh, we've been talking about It's a this. while. Yeah. Because uh, we've, we've featured a bunch of episodes about Wisconsin Dells and, and different Dells lore. So uh, we've definitely been kind of hanging on to this one uh, for a fantastic episode. Uh, we have great Wisconsin music from Code and Chrome. Uh, we have another beer review. And, of course, uh, in an addition of infamous how many locals you have. Wow. And, uh, uh, of course, we have a special interview, a special guest interview. Um, and uh, as we mentioned at the very top of the show, remember to like, subscribe, and do all the things. And, hey, become a Patreon uh, patron. That absolutely is the best way. To uh, to support the show uh, with with kind of that financial end of things, uh, we are completely independent. We do this thing all on our own. We buy the equipment. We uh, completely buy all the beers and, and all the things. Uh, keep all the servers running. Uh, it takes a lot of money in order to get uh, these things up into the cloud and then uh, down into your cell phones and things, uh, as well as uh, having a website. So. Uh, speaking of the website, WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com, uh, that's where you can find links to all of the things. That's Patreon, that's T Public, that's episodes, uh, a little history behind the you know scenes story of of Russ and I and, and our friendship and how things kind of got yeah. kicked off. Uh, you know how many ever years ago that was, and uh, you know. Like we said, uh, the 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 likes, the rates, the subscribes, all that sort of stuff. It really does uh, help in in ways that you know, for the the few seconds that it takes you to do it, uh, it helps us in in so many different ways. So let's go ahead and jump in our main story today. H. H. Bennett, Wisconsin Dells. Let's jump. Let's go. Yeah. So this is another one. 
I always, it, it's so hard to summarize these when you have full books dedicated to this, right? But I did think, I, I think I did a pretty good job here and uh, let's begin. So most people know of the water park capital, Wisconsin Dells, but what made this area became the tourist des destination we all know? I mean, yeah, there are limestone cliffs and a ton of natural formations due to the receding glaciers pretty much throughout the state that are actually arguably more beautiful than Wisconsin Dells. So what's the spark that led people to this destination as a tourist stop? Well, we are talking about that today. The man behind the Wisconsin Dells, we're talking about H.H. Bennett. Born on January 15th of 1843, born Henry Hamilton Bennett in Farn Farnham, Lower Canada, he was raised as a child in Battleboro, Vermont. But at the age of 14, Bennett with his father and uncle would settle in the Wisconsin Dells area, which used to be known, as we mentioned before, as Kilbourne City. Henry worked as a carpenter in the town, and he was a Union soldier and joined on his, his own and fought in the Battle of Vicksburg. He was severely wounded by the discharge of a by his own gun. But we have to remember that this wasn't an accident. This is just, unfortunately, that's how the guns were packed back in the right, day. Right, right. And due to this injury, he could not go back full-time to carpentry. So in 1865, he would go on to purchase the Kilbourne City Photography Studio that was uh, operated by Leroy Gates and uh, wow. began his career in photography. He married his first wife a year later, Frances Doughty, and the couple had three children. This marriage would last all the way up until 1884 as Frances would pass away, but did remarry Evelyn Marshall in 1890 and actually had two more children. So that's just a little background on his personal life. Yeah. So enough with that. Here's where the photography career that put Wisconsin Dells on the map. As stated, he purchased the Kilbourne City Photography Studio and quickly realized that demand for portraits of people was low in demand in the area. He quickly set his sights elsewhere and realized that the area had amazing and unique characteristics thanks to the receding glaciers, so he decided to set his sights on landscape-style photography. His training as a carpenter would prove very useful in this field, and he would go on to make all of his own equipment except the glass lenses on the camera. He built his wow. own portable darkroom where he could take all this equipment, including the camera and the darkroom, with him to all the fantastic sites that the Dallas has to offer. Wow, that's amazing. He was even set to have to, to take... He was said to take all of his equipment on the boat and went from site to site. And we all know the 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 famous Stand Rock or Witch's Gulch, right? The dog yeah. jump, the boy jump, you know. The Witch's Gulch is probably one of the most iconic things you're going to see in the Dells. Definitely. In some of his most iconic parts of the Dells. And he soon realized that the landscapes were so intriguing and amazing that two-dimensional photography would lose the depth and the true awe of each site. So he began to create the stereoscopic images, where the photos had to be taken and could be viewed in three dimensions. His first photo was taken in 1868, and they soon became very popular and sold in all the cities all over the U.S. And we talked about the um, this type of photography um, uh, regarding the um, Webster House in Elkhorn. They actually had a viewer inside the in the where you oh sure see kind of how everything was all 3D. Right? Yeah. As his work started to become more known, and people questioned, where are all these amazing landscapes located, right? We see them in all these photos, but uh, they almost look fake. Some people even question if they were somehow faked or uh, made, you know, out of cardboard or something, right? I mean, <laughs> for this time, that would be a, a kind of a, a wild stretch, It'd for sure. It'd be an incredible feat, for sure. And then news quickly spread. And people soon flocked to Kilmer City just to view these alien landscapes that no one had ever seen before. And his studio would change its name to H.H. Bennett Studio and became a popular location for him to sell postcards and souvenir portraits to travelers passing through the area in 1875. Wow. Yeah. 
And while using this as his way to earn money, he continued to innovate the field of photography and invented a stop-action shutter that allowed him to take instantaneous events. While in the past, it would take several minutes for the camera to take a photograph, and any movement would blur that person out, right? If you're, like, waving your head That's around. That's pretty wild. Yeah, so he came up with that original thing. Wow, stop shutter. Yeah. And after tinkering around and getting his device perfected, he could now take action shots, and probably his most famous shot was in 1886, where his son Ashley jumped back and forth between the stand rock. And according to legends, it actually took him 17 times. Which is pretty dangerous if you actually have been the Sand Rock. Yeah, it's pretty if, if you got to yeah, uh, jump 17 times. And now they have a net there for the even the dogs that jump, just in case they don't make it right. so they don't get hurt. But it's pretty high up. That's nuts. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, like I said, it's pretty insane. And uh, today if you take the uh, Upper Dells boat tour, you get to watch the dogs do the same jump, like I said before. And uh, this photograph became such a hit that in 1890, people in Boston gasped as this photo was presented. And people could not believe their eyes of what was happening in this photo, right? It's you're seeing action happening. Right, which is which is wild. I mean, in, in photographs of 1890... Think to yourself, 1890. Yeah. And then think photographs. And he would actually become one of the first journalists, photojournalists in the world, as he took photographs of the lumber raftsmen that told stories of their life on the rivers of Wisconsin. So photojournalism didn't, have, you, you know, you, you, you're seeing his portraits of these people to stand still for about three minutes while they are, you know, and which is that. wild. And then, and then you think of the, uh, the, the photography that happened back in that day about how many of them uh, say that there was ghosts in the picture. That's really just somebody moved well, th- yeah, within right. the three minutes that they had to stand Cause still. Because they have so much exposure, right? Yep. Yeah, the shutter speeds weren't the same as what they are now. You could take 1,100 photographs in a minute right now, um, and that's just a rough figure, but if you hold your finger... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being saying, serious, like, though. You can snap a ton of if, shots. If you, if you keep your finger held on an iPhone in photo mode... It does burst shot, which is like, I think it's something like that. It's like 1,100 pictures in a minute. It, it probably is. I it's mean, like, fucking ridiculous. I mean, think about, like, uh, you know, when you see a camera speed, all that the camera's doing is taking multiple pictures, right? It's the shutter closing and opening. And so, you know, when you see, like, these images, like, if you subscribe to a magazine like Thrasher, where they're doing an action movie. What's a magazine? I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe people don't know what they are anymore. Oh, but you're talking about a, a skateboard magazine. Yeah, so you have with the that, action shot. Yeah, and what they'll do is they'll they'll chop different sections and put it all as one picture. So you're seeing all the entire movement in the process of the photo. Essentially, right? it is uh, the the same idea as a uh, a, a moving picture, a, 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 like an actual film, except it's actual film placed out in the same order that it that it's happening exactly and so you get that long exposed shot of of a guy doing uh, um uh like a 50 50 grind or yeah yeah. or a girl doing you know like a a big fucking ollie or something like that and it's it's rad stuff but we owe all this to hh bennett right he was one of the first ones yep look at this guy in the dells so Bennett also innovated the way that f- f- pictures were printed and produced, uh, building a rev- revolving solar printing house where this and much of his equipment are now housed at the Smithsonian Institute because That's it is the rad. first and photojournalism first. You uh, as well cameras. as I know, the Smithsonian is, is reserved for like the, the best and most timeless uh, inventions and things. Right. And he would essentially become one of the first people to edit photos 
And due to photography early, um, it, a lot of the photographs left out the detail of the sky and water reflections. And he figured out a way to weave multiple negatives from uh, multiple shots and other photographs of sky and water making the finished product. So essentially, he's like the first Photoshop, but it's like a hand Photoshop, right? Right. You got to have a little touch of, um, of uh, what's the PBS painter guy name? Bob Ross. Oh, you gotta have a little touch of Bob Ross, baby. Put a little, just, just. There's no mistakes. Let me me just put a little Bob Ross in there. Happy trees. A little happy tree. Little bird. Little bird. And this was not uh, enough to track attention from a lot of large companies, obviously, because these photographs are incredible, and people are seeing these. They're like, "Oh my God, who is this guy? Who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) Who is this guy? I need to know right (laughs) now." That's what people were thinking. Yeah. So his foot. His. And obviously his photo, his photography career boomed as everyone wanted him to take photographs, including the railroads, the World's Columbian Exposition Fair, a.k.a. the World's Fair, which we talk about a lot. World's Fair, huge. And he was the main photographer. He was one of the main photographers in the World's Fair and multiple other places. And also the Ice Palace in Minnesota, to just name a few, right? I mean, he, he was like the main photographer for multiple other things. I can't put them all wow. in one episode. So, The Ice Palace. And due to all these innovations of portable cameras, palace. Portable, <laughs> I don't oh know. Oh my! I don't know. The old ice palace is the shit palace, huh? The old, old shit palace there. And due to all these innovations, uh, portable film cameras started to become widespread because of these innovations. And uh, these in in, in eighteen nineties they became kind of widespread, right? So now everyone has these portable cameras they can bring with them and do their own photography. Yeah. And these innovations that he made led much of his success. Also helped his downfall, right? Like. He created a monster. Kind right. Of. I mean, if you if you give people uh, the same technology that you have in your hands to create these wonderful photographs, uh, then they can just do it themselves, uh, and, and and thus sparking this gigantic world of uh, point and shoot cameras that we have on the market today. Um, I, clearly, the technology isn't as good as like the DSLRs uh, that that exist, but like. A point-and-shoot 12-megapixel camera is pretty damn good, uh, whereas, you know, the DSLR has uh, a much better shutter, much better exposure, uh, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, hey, I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars to have you come in and shoot something that I could just do with my damn cell phone, you know? Exactly. And obviously, you can you can see what's happening. So this created that downfall. Exactly. And and no one came to Dell's anymore, uh, went to him to take a photograph, and... Uh, you know, people just took their own souvenir photographs, so obviously there's no need for postcards or portraits anymore. So that, yeah. that pretty much wiped him out a lot of that business. He would continue to do what he did and continued practicing his profession all the way up until his death in 1908. After his death, his family continued on the practice, remodeling the H.H. Bennett studio in 1977, or 1917, sorry. Yeah. And his ascendants continued on all the way up until 1999. But today it's actually run by the Wisconsin Historical Society and is open to tourists to come by and visit. And we owe, like, a lot of the modern age, obviously, even social media owes a lot to H.H. Bennett, right? Uh, Instagram models or whatever the heck people are nowadays. Yeah, influencers and and that kind of thing. Uh, Anybody who takes uh, any sort of uh, photographs is uh, uh, truly in debt uh, and indebted to um, H.H. Bennett and the the different uh, advancements that he made in uh, photography. And I think the one thing that you and I... Uh, can probably both sort of uh, uh, align on here is that, of course, there are still things that uh, you would want to hire a professional photography uh, individual for. You know, we hired one for our wedding. Um, um, 
there's there's nothing better than uh, a couple of individuals who know what they're doing with a damn camera because you and I, I mean, we shoot our own uh, little promo vids and, and behind the scenes uh, brewery tours and stuff that we do. And it's, uh, we, we're awful at it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You, you give any, uh, uh, just anybody, any Joe Schmoa damn camera doesn't mean it's going to turn out great. And and that's truly the, the, the story here is that H.H. H. Bennett was, uh, in, an artist in, in that in that regard, uh, he knows what he's doing with a damn camera. And you know, even on that note, I mean, I can't justify buying a five thousand dollar camera when it comes to lenses and everything. Like, I can't justify that, right? That I, I could probably take some pretty good photographs. I can't justify buying a five thousand dollar camera, right? SLR with multiple lenses and stuff. I mean, you know, look at us. We've got thousands of dollars uh, in in guitars behind us here. I mean, you hand me a twelve, you know, twelve hundred dollar, two thousand dollar guitar. I'm going to sound just as good as I was on, you know, like a, a Walmart first act thing, you know, and, and that's the case is that like, you know, H.H. Uh, H. Bennett, he, he may have caused and created his own uh, downfall, his own undoing uh, by creating more of these point and shoot uh, cameras that are, are readily available for everybody. However, you know, you, you can't hand somebody the ability to take a picture uh, right. and, and do it well. So. Um, for this, we're forever uh, uh, in, indebted to H.H. Uh, H. Bennett and the studios there in uh, the Wisconsin Dells. And I'm glad that they that they kind of uh, kept all that up. I mean, like you said, all the way up until ni- 1999 uh, and, and today is now kind of run by the Historical Society. I'm glad that they got their damn hands on it. Yeah, I'm glad it's still there and for everyone to see because Wisconsin Dells wouldn't be with the Wisconsin Dells without H.H. H. Bennett's help and his influence yeah. on the area. I mean, you can go anywhere in the state. There's... Arguably, if you go further up north, you're going to see some more really cool, um, like better stuff than the Dells, right? But yeah. because of these photographs and attracting people to the area, we owe all the Wisconsin Dells as um, fib territory because of H.H. Yeah. H. Bennett and uh, attracting people to the area, spending money in our state, which we're not going to complain about. So that's going to conclude our main segment on H.H. H. Bennett, but uh, on to our music segment. All right. Our music segment today is sure to be an, an absolute ear. Gasm. Uh, so uh, we have a, a really close friend of ours, Sam, and uh, uh, he is normally just this uh, prolific drummer, I would say. And then he started doing this solo stuff uh, during the, the kind of the height of COVID and uh, doing everything. I, I helped him out on, on one of the albums, the first album, with uh, some bits and pieces, but he's doing an amazing job of, of, of literally creating these amazing songs it's really all on his own. It's very really cool. Very experimental. And then, out. and then he started this, this uh, group called code and Chrome with uh, an individual that he's never met before in person. Um, and they were sending files back and forth uh, with each other and, and, and kind of gave it this band name code and Chrome. And uh, the, the, the song that we're featuring today is called for now. And I'm telling you what, man, again, this is a very experimental, um, very electronic forward type music. And, you know, we we kind of almost I feel like we almost introduced Sam into the, um, the that kind of almost like punk pop era back when we were doing um Drop Dead Dream. Yeah. And yeah. and you and I were very heavy in the synth. Synthesizers were hard. I wrote all those synth parts. You remembered them all. Uh, yeah, yeah. You recorded, uh, I think, two parts, of them. Parts of I them, I recorded yeah. one of them. Yep. 
um, in, in terms of the actual album versions. But, you know, you and I were, were very experimental in the keys and really wanted to uh, kind of move forward on that. And Sam, he jumped even further on that, which is amazing. Arpeggiators yes. and all kinds of stuff, just the... Things we didn't hit. Yes, yes, and 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 uh, the music itself is uh, is phenomenal. And then I love, I love Sam's vocals. Uh, I mean, he never got a chance. I don't think with us or even with some of the the stuff with uh, your brother Monty. I don't think he really had a chance to to showcase his vocals. And uh, what I really love about Sam these days is that he's uh, he's really taking a, a, another step and showing everybody just uh, exactly his range. I mean, he's yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. And uh, so, uh, hey, here's Code and Chrome for now.
All right. That was awesome. <laughs> that was Code and Chrome with For Now. And uh, uh, kind of as we were listening to this, I, I uh, off mic, was telling Russ uh, that uh, it, it reminds me a lot of Death Cab for Cutie Gold Rush. Yeah, I agree. And uh, um, it, it just, just one of those really, really great songs by one of those classic bands. And then Sam uh, and Code and Chrome, uh, there, there's another guy involved. I, I don't remember his name. Sam told me it, but... Um, they're just absolutely phenomenal, man. I, and I, and I love the fact that like they've never met in person. It's, uh, it's, it's what you and I have talked about for years about sending each other tracks. One of those back and forth. Things, yeah. Right? And, and, uh, just building and, you know, blink One Eighty Two did it back in the day, um, with, uh, their last, uh, album with all the original members kind of, um, and I say kind of, cause Travis Barker's not an original, but, uh, neighborhoods, uh, a lot of those tracks were sent between, uh, Tom in San Diego and Mark and Travis in, uh, Los Angeles. And they just would send project files back and forth. And, um, it, it's kind of becoming the new age of music. So we now have a beverage review and this one is, uh, we're back with company brewing, which is cool. I mean, this is nice cause I've never had a lot of these. Yeah. So. And, uh, and, and this one again is, uh, uh, another really tasty beverage. However, it is hard. This one's hit me hard. Yeah, so this one's so, called what? Zagora Major. Major. Zagora yes. Major. Zagora Major. It's got Bigfoot or something on there. Yeah, Multiple it has like big feet. silhouettes of uh, big feet in uh, red and blue. Yeah. It's a Belgian style triple ale, so you know it's going to be triple. hard, right? It's Anytime be, it's triple, there's going to be you're that. You're going to get wrecked, bro. Well, so more more sugar was put in and sugar is then broken down by yeast. Yeast turns into uh, alcohol. Then the yeast and, uh, uh, has sex with the sugar in order to create the <laughs> right. Am no, I right? No, it, it actually like it consumes the sugar and releases a gas, which is the gas you're getting the alcohol. Right. right. The, so the, the yeast and the, and the, and the sugars, they make a, a, a you, fart baby. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly. called liquor, you know? Yeah, exactly. So this one, obviously it's, it's huge, right? I mean, a triple ale, you know, it's going to be high ABV, 9.5% ABV. This one's at nine point five. Yeah, so it's, it's hard. I mean, it's 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 hitting hard. This Especially Belgian, we... this Belgian inspired strong ale, gets its name from the place where it's brewed, our home beyond the hill. Yeah, Zagora Major, and you know it's really good. I I do really like it, and uh, you know somebody who loves Belgian ales and that like beet sugar taste, you know that like you, sure. we've all had the Belgian ales, right? If if you haven't, go and try them out. Um. I recommend starting with some of like maybe the lighter ones. Um, yeah, delirium tremens maybe. Well, and to so start with, you know who I was going to talk to about that uh, was uh, Paul from uh, um, uh, Pet Skull, uh, delirium tremens. Because yeah, yeah, you and I had a chance to go to Colorado and we had a lot of really awesome beers. And uh, but delirium tremens was one of those ones. You know, um, we talked to Paul about uh, uh, a lot of different you know beer, but. Um, Delirium Tremens was one of the ones that I kind of wanted to bring up to him uh, because it is. It's a legendary beer that uh, you got to try. And I think that uh, uh, Zagora Major sort of follows in the footsteps of that and uh, um, is heavy. It's hefty. It's a very, very um, um, uh, it's a heavy beer. It's just very it's it's it's. yeah, wow. The only word I can think of is heavy. Yeah, no, I mean, like um, it's, it's very good. It's obviously 9.5%. You're not going to want to drink this one every day, but it's a very tasty beer. It's like, you know, nightcap, right? You know, or, you know, if, if you're going to be, 
you know you're not really leaving in a while you're at a buddy's house bring one of these have a couple of these you're gonna be good yeah to be honest my my favorite part about uh um the zagora major uh from company brewing is uh uh honestly it, it, it doesn't pair well i don't think with a lot of foods but after a meal I think that this is the perfect uh, beer kind of just after you drink or after you eat a big meal. I am getting, you know, maybe a little bad taste. Like it wouldn't be bad with something, maybe like a a drier meat, like a turkey or a pork. See, That's kind of what I was thinking too. Like a drier meat. Um, This one would probably go pretty good with. Um, Yeah. You know, obviously I'm not an expert, but that just from my personal of myself. And I don't mean to say that it doesn't go well with food. What I'm saying is, um, the way that I kind of foresee myself enjoying it is I've just had a big plate of, of food, uh, tacos, or like you said, kind of like that pork, pork carnitas, uh, steak, uh, yeah, something yeah. like that. And then I'm like, I'm resting. And then I was like, I would like to finish this off with a nice brew. I just, I just want to pass out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and this nine and a half is like. Trust me. And it's flavorful enough. And, and uh, so that's the other thing is I don't mean to say like it's heavy and that to be the only descriptive term I use. It's very flavorful. No, it, it is. is. It's, it's delicious. incredibly good. Um, it, it is absolutely the perfect end to whatever plate you're putting down. Yeah. And if you ever want to learn too about uh, Belgian or uh, Trappist ales, as they call them sometimes monk beer, whatever you want to know, there's a lot of really cool information about them and they're, they're pretty and neat. And Russ has all of it. I I'm huge in the brewing. So we've made some Trappist ales. We've made some um, golden Trappist ales, like Belgian it's styles. Been, it's been years though, since you and I have actually cooked up uh, a good recipe. And I was thinking, you know, man, if you still have the gear, we do. Yeah, I mean, let's let's bring it here to to. We Muskego. can film a Patreon or something. Let's, yeah, <laughs> show how to I was just gonna beer. say, like, yeah, yeah. you and I could easily talk about, um, especially that first mash um, um, process. Yeah, you know, how we're we, doing it because we're a little different. We're using a one vessel method. We're using we're a one steeping. vessel method, yeah, and yeah. we're steeping. And then once we're done steeping, like a big tea bag, um, we we pull all of the 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 grain out. And then we have to quickly cool it. Yep. And and so Russ uh, and his dad actually created a really cool, uh, quick cooling method uh, using just your normal tap at home. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it, so Some that would be connections and stuff for it. Right, right. So actually, it's a coil. It's a coil. So actually, you're making your wort, but then you got to boil and throw in your your hops, and then you're gonna cool it down with your chiller. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And then so then once we're at that point, yeah, my dad did help me with some connections and stuff, and uh, yeah, it works really well. Cools it down quick. It's it's pretty neat, and it creates a uh, for the most part. Russ and I have worked, I, have, and, and we've perfected. Yeah, we've perfected uh, a lot of our our smash hops. Like we've talked about a hundred times, because we want to. Like the reason for a smash hop is you want to get the flavor of the hop to know what you can mix together for future beers, right? Yeah, that's why we did that a lot of times to get some experimentation. It's in. really it's really become a, a cool stepping um, stone for us uh, to to figure out like uh, the 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 type of flavoring. That you're gonna get from one single hop, yes. In order to to balance and like perfect the pairing with another hop, exactly. So if you haven't heard of smash, it actually means single malt and single hop. Right. So you're using a single malt and a single hop to get the flavors that you're looking for for future beers, and they're actually really tasty to be honest. Like yeah. uh, smash beers are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but like when you're trying to like maybe advance your uh, brewing and try to make your own custom with different hops. It's just a cool, just a cool way to start. Right? right, right, and it, and it, and honestly, it has become uh, an absolutely amazing thing that Russ and I have uh, have now kind of 
uh, gained as uh, uh, home brewers. And Eric, where did you find Zagora Major? Is this another one, Total Wine? Total Wine, yeah. Yeah, this is really cool. I, You know, it's awesome because I haven't heard of company brewing, and it's nice to have back-to-back beers. And, uh, yeah, these are just really good, delicious beers. And uh, make sure you pick them up and check them out at your local market if they have them. Grab a seat, gather around, join us for a chat. How many locos you add? All right, folks, you know what that means. Uh, how many locos you at, a.k.a. bad news for Wisconsin drunk driving here. Yeah, so. uh... If you've if you've been drinking and driving, you're gonna be called out here. Yeah. Baby. Um. So the uh, the headline here is Wausau woman faces fifth OWI after quick trip confrontation. No, another quick trip, dude. We're on the trio I here. Know. We got a lot of quick trip involved. And let me tell you, she looks like she could use those inta- intake photo didn't go well. She Again. needs a nap. Yep. Take it. Take a nap there. So we have. Um, in Wausau, a complaint about a 41-year-old woman allegedly trying to get three juveniles Uh-oh. into her car uh, at a Wausau quick trip led to her arrest on felony drinking Ooh. and driving charges. Um, the individual uh, of Wausau is behind bars Wednesday on a $5,000 cash bond. Uh, she faces charges of fifth OWI offense, uh, operating while intoxicated, that is, and of uh, driving while revoked. Uh, Ooh, the charges were fi- uh, filed June 3rd in Marathon County. And let me just tell you right now, the uh, the police were called at around 1028 p.m. It's never good. Uh, <laughs> you're almost at 11 o'clock. Yeah, and Holy smokes. Uh, so this was on Friday, May 31st uh, at Quick Trip on Wausau Avenue for a report of suspicious circumstances, uh, incident involving three children, ages 11, 12, and 14. Uh, the children told an employee at the store uh, about a woman in her 40s yelling at them and telling them to get in her car. Holy smokes. If I was 14, I might have, though. I'm pretty greasy. I probably got in her car. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where uh, we're going, but... yeah. I'll do it. A rubbing tizzug. Um, yeah, well, maybe. Uh, the employee confronted the woman <laughs> who then drove off, but not before the employee took down the pickup's license plate number, oh, which shit. is always the downfall, right? Um, you've got that identifier on the front and back of your vehicle. Not good. Everybody knows who you are. So uh, the police used the plate number to locate the individual at her uh, address uh, where she appeared Obviously intoxicated, uh, the words of the uh, uh, police officers, um, and had balance issues standing and walking. So according to court records, uh, this individual um, is initially claimed to uh, have uh, she was with someone, I guess, and that person was driving the pickup. I think we know that that's not true. Uh, the three children then confirmed that the woman was behind the wheel of the vehicle. An allegation then uh, uh, was solidified through surveillance video yeah. uh, provided Never by lies, Quick right? Trip. Never right? lies. Holy so smokes. there were cameras. So uh, the individual allegedly refused sobriety tests and was taken to the uh, Wausau Hospital <laughs> for a chemical blood test. And uh, the revolt, the results as of the time of this uh, article, We're pending, are right, pending. Right. So, so, 
Uh, we know now that those are uh, in, and she was hammered. All right, so what so, do we got? Early 40s. Uh, not her first time DUI. We yeah, got her previous, minors uh, involved. Her, her, her previous ones were uh, in 2013, and then guess what? 2014. So they're back-to-backs. Three of them in 2014. Okay. What? So she had one in 13, <laughs> three in 14. So these are back-to-back-to-back-to-back. And then to back to another back. one in 2020. <laughs> Holy smokes. Okay, so we have her age 41, drunk. This is a bad time in her life. She's having some rough difficulties here. She has three minors involved. Um, she, you know, she, she's been drinking hard, having some difficulties. But uh, I, so I might think she might be a little higher on the um, local level. I'm, I'm telling you right now. She was trying to convince uh, three minors to get into her pickup truck. She is 1,000% ham-murred. Okay. She is ham and, ha- having a ham sandwich. She's... In in so much rough shape, I don't even know what to say. All right, so yeah, I don't know what to say on this one. I mean, I mean I've got a number. You got a number? It's beautiful. Okay, do you want to do it on three? Yeah. One, two, three. Sixteen. I was gonna go twelve. Sorry, okay. I didn't say it. But it, I, so I think we need to meet in the middle here. I think we need to go with the fourteen local. Yeah. Um, you know this this woman's probably having some problems in her life. Obviously, those three back to back in one year. No wonder she had a revoked probably license, having- right? I mean, the, the, there's no there's oh, no yeah. question why the revoked license was there. She couldn't right? have a license. Uh, the minors involved. I I think this is a good number. Um, unfortunately, I feel I, I you know I kind of feel bad for her because I think she's probably in a rough point in her life. If these are back to back, these are the only ones she's ever had in three years. Yeah. You know, like these are three years of five DUIs, right? Yeah. So there's some rough stuff going on in her life. I hope she got some help. Um, but I well, think I think I think that's a good number, don't you? Yeah, I mean, she dude, she did it in. 2013 and then in 14 she had three and then now in uh i I believe the article is 2020 um it may have been different but she gets another one i mean this is five and the bulk of them come in 2014 uh yeah she definitely needs help man but she she could have sought after that uh years ago And, and that's the point is that she needed help years ago i will definitely settle with you uh, what did we say? Fourteen. Yeah, we're going in the middle though, right? Because like twelve and a fourteen, we're going thirteen local. Okay. So you want to go thirteen local on this one? We I think that's a good. Local. I think that's a good number. Yeah, let's so, go with that. Sure, let's go thirteen local. Sound the gavel, Eric. All right, today we're here with Tajira. Uh, you might recognize them from the Ali Evanrude episode. And uh, if you haven't got a chance to check them out on Spotify or their Bandcamp, please yeah. do because their stuff is freaking amazing. It's bomb, dude. It's bomb. I love it. So, can you guys give me a little bit of history about the band and how you guys got your start? Uh, sure. Yeah. So we um, so we started off um, a couple of years ago. Uh, so so I'm Ben, uh, the guitar player for Tagera, and um, me, the other guitar player Alex, and our drummer Dale uh, got together just kind of on a whim. Uh, Dale had uh, reached out to Alex through Craigslist of all places. Wow. Okay. He knew me from, you know, years ago. We ended up getting together and just kind of jamming out to, like, whatever they had already written for... Originally, this band was a lot like a... Uh, uh, was shared a lot of DNA with, like, a with like a Black Keys type of sound. Okay. But um, over time, we just kind of evolved. Uh, you know, we found Dev. Uh, basically, after we found Dev, that's when we sort of realized, all right, now, now we know what we got to do. 
And so <laughs> ever since then, it's kind of been, we finally have a finalized lineup and this is, that's pretty much the, that's sort of the abridged version. If we got into the details, it involves like 20 different people. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how we got here. Well, and I'll say too, uh, you know, um, the, the, the sound from, from, uh, Devin is, is absolutely amazing, but I, I love the full concept um, of the band. I, I just think that um, everything really comes together in, uh, in, in the full track. I, I just, I really, um, Russ and I talk about it a lot cause we're both uh, what I'll go ahead and say is former musicians. Um, we, <laughs> we, we, have, we haven't done anything, uh, any, anything recently and uh, other than jam or, or play covers or something, but um, it, you guys are just on a, on a level that we, I don't think we ever had a chance to, to hit. And, and I love it. I just, I, I absolutely, uh, envy, uh, everything about the, your, your musicianship. Thank you. Um, we definitely, I mean, we, we feel it in practices. We feel it on stage that we all as musicians, there's something about the chemistry there that we really just bring out the best in each other. And we're, when we're writing, you know, we, we're <clears throat> what I guess it's something about the process or just, I mean, it's, it's worth saying that like those, you know, there's six songs out, right. But like each of those songs pretty much like got a month to, in some cases, like <laughs> two or three months of like dedicated, how are we going to make this sound good? Mm-hmm. You know? So it really like the writing process for us is a very, it's a very democratic process and that everyone in the room has say in the direction the song goes. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, as a result, we just spend a lot of time working on these. So, so it's very kind of you to say, I really, we really appreciate we the do. compliment. Yeah. You know, it's, it's awesome. And I, I was going to ask too, like, I mean, obviously like it's Midwest, right? <clears throat> Yeah. But I know there's bands like, you know, like Mute Math, they have a similar sound. But honestly, I think you guys do it better. And I'm saying that from, like, the depths of my heart. I mean, you guys have been, like, one of those episodes, I always go back to the Ali Avenue episode just to listen to your music. And not only that, but Spotify, obviously Bandcamp, well, you know. It's it's one of my favorite guests we've had. And I think Russ was uh, sort of on the outs as far as I reached out to you guys uh, to, to, you know, be able to use music uh, from you on the show. But... Uh, the minute that I showed it to Russ, it was almost like he, um, he, he took on a whole different, uh, fandom. This. Um, and, and it was, it was wild. It was good. It was, I mean, uh, well, obviously we realized that we've been pronouncing the name wrong now, uh, Tagera. Tagera. Holy smokes, um, man. Which no, Hey, I mean, no not, disrespect not, meant. Just so you know, like I'm not stalking you guys or showing my ding ding around your houses. Are you? Just so you know, no. That's weird, man. <laughs> okay. That's hey, weird. Because I on did. Pronunci- on the pronunciation thing, you know, Tajera sounds like something that'd be good on a brat, though. Like, I would, like, eat I that. would put a little bit on there. That's throw- oh, yeah. <laughs> a Tajera pepper. I would, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, a Tajera pepper. Oh, Holy smokes. Mm. <laughs> I'd sprinkle a little Tajera on whatever I had, you know, <laughs> to be fair. Now, um, let's talk. I know uh, you said that you, you play guitar. Uh, in in the band, I yeah. mean, what kind of what kind of um, t- talk me through the gear? I'm a gear nerd. I'm a I'm a I'm a gear nerd in its in its entirety. What what guitar are you using? What amp are you using? Do you have any like notable pedals? Sure. So the um, so what you hear on the recording uh, and what we do live, uh, we've sort of moved away 
from traditional amplifiers a little bit. And uh, right now, the two guitars we use uh, Line 6 Helix floor units, okay. um, which basically is like amp emulation. To give you an idea as to what my amp is trying to emulate, it would be the it would basically be two ox uh, two Vox AC30s okay. running in tandem, going through like three different compressors. I'm sorry, not I'm sorry. Three overdrive pedals and then a couple of reverbs and delays. Okay. In my personal rig, you know, I mean if uh, you know, if we're playing live at a place like Bremen or something like that where you, you know, where the sound system is a little more difficult, I use a uh, PV Delta Blues 210 okay. amplifier, so 210-inch speakers, 30-watt tube. And uh, my main overdrive pedal, where I think most of the tone comes from, is a is this Maxon OD9 Plus or something like that. Right. It's, it's probably uh, almost like a TS9 uh, uh, kind of, you know, clone uh, or something like that. Yeah, it's a toy. It's a tube screamer clone. I mean, it's yeah. super. It's super cool. I mean, and honestly, like between you and I, I don't even really like the way it sounds. But like, <laughs> I spent so much money on it when I was a kid that I was like, all right, I have to find you a put way it, to put it. You put it in the chain either way, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna stay because I just I can't stomach the fact. I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I I, I hear you. I, I'll I'll leave with the most interesting one, which is the guitar. Um, you know, we both use strats on stage. Um, mine is a uh, is kind of like a parts caster that my my friend Phil put together for me, and uh, I got it. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of for me. It's a magical guitar. Is my grandma had passed away, and you know, within a couple days. Uh, of that happening i was working at the yogurt at a yogurt shop and then all of a sudden a fedex guy shows up with a big old rectangle he's like is ben here i go oh okay sure yeah and um i unboxed this just gorgeous pink guitar that my friend built for me out of the blue nice and, uh, so i named it geraldine Nice. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's the main one. And now it's a parts caster. I, I hear you. Uh, is there any bit about it that is uh, that is Fender, or is there? Uh, is it all just uh, Frankenstein? So the um, as I understand, so the only thing about it that's that's Fender technically is the um, so w- when he built it. So it's, my friend works for. Uh, 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 Dave's Guitar Shop, are you? Yeah, familiar? yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lacrosse and and Milwaukee has one, and yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, so he was, uh, or he is a luthier there. And, cool. Um, he ended up, uh, he basically built it out of spare parts that he had lying around. So I think the the neck is actually a WD neck. <laughs> sure. Um, nice. And the body, I think, is an all parts thing, and he doesn't know what the pickups are, but okay. He stripped a, I think he stripped the black strap body and then refinished it in shell pink. Okay. And then he relicked it himself. So yeah, there's no Fender DNA on it. Maybe outside of the tuning pegs. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll tell you what I uh, um, this was about a year ago. I I went to Cream City looking for a Strat. I had had Strats growing up. Those are like the first guitars I ever learned on, and uh, I went there looking for a Strat in particular, and was like, I really want that single coil sound. I want that three way blade, and um, 
I ended up getting the the Fender um, Eric Johnson, um, and it's the Virginia remake, uh, like a '54 Virginia remake. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, I there's just something about three single coils that just make that damn thing <laughs> sing. I don't know what the hell it is, and well, um, and this one is is particularly it's sassafras. It's not even alder like most uh, Fender bodies. So it's it's. Uh, like a whole different sing. It's it's so good. They, you know, yeah, and you picked, uh, so I happen to know a little bit about guitar because I also work for a guitar shop, but I, I will say that the uh, the Eric Johnson's really cool. That's a 12-inch radius on the board, right? It is, yeah. So it's almost flat. Oh. It's it's a it's a different radius than, than most normal strats, I, I think, um, uh, which, yeah, you're absolutely keen to, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a that is a if if I was gonna buy a signature model today, I probably would pick up the Eric Johnson because I don't know what kind of pickups he's using either. And yeah, I feel like we may have lost some people here, but <laughs> definitely that's a really cool guitar. Yeah, and 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 I love it. Um, the the only other signature model that I think uh, I've ever really loved and I've owned is the Tom DeLonge, uh, the, the Fender uh, Strat with the single Invader uh, pickup. So, oh, do you still have it? I do. Yeah. Oh man, the yellow one. No, mine's uh, the the seafoam green thing. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, Russ and I are definitely, like I said, um, just very, very. Uh, uh, musician forward we understand what you what you all go through and what you're experiencing and the fun that you guys have in uh in practices and then obviously on stage um once the once the first note comes out uh all of that anxiety sort of sheds and it's and it's just a fun time oh absolutely but no, like honestly, we love what your guys sound and um I was gonna kind of ask uh, what what are some of your influences with the music yeah uh influences that's that's a tricky question i know all of us i mean there's five of us right yeah all of us come from pretty insanely different music backgrounds and music tastes you know some of us listen to black metal some of us listen to bluegrass some of us listen to you know old school country some of us listen to like hip-hop you know like it's all across the board and we all bring that together into this and as we were saying before about writing that's one of the the factors yes um as for who we try to um channel when we're writing we really look at groups like um like ben said before like the black keys or 1975 or um, muse um, yeah, groups like that. Yeah, and I think you guys are definitely hitting it. I mean, you if if like I said, like Midwest, it's so hard to get your name out there when it comes to music. Well, and, um, yeah, and it's it's such a a weird market to sort of um, to think about, you know. But um, a, a lot of really great bands have come out of Wisconsin, yeah. and it's just a. Um, at least for Russ and I, we we think of every single band that we feature on this on this pod as like the next thing that's going to hit. Yeah, and like, yeah, for sure. I'm sure we said it about Tagera even when we even when we used the music, and then uh, we just said it about you know uh, uh, one of the ones today, you know. And it's just yeah. we want we want so much for all of you, and uh, uh, anything you that that you think that we can do for you. 
hey, reach out to us. I, I'm I'm willing to, uh, you know, to bend over backwards to to help. <laughs> Holy smokes! Anything that you guys you know want or need, you know, um, our studio isn't big enough. I don't think to to record <laughs> you guys, but um, it, it, even if we were, it would be like you know that's free studio time to get us in here at at no cost, you know. Well, hey, not for nothing. I mean, you guys. I mean, you guys put on a really great podcast. I mean, the Thank hardest you. thing about it is being consistent. You guys have gotten some really pretty big names. I have to imagine that David Druber is the white whale for you. But you yeah, know, yeah, one step oh, yeah. at a time. But, <laughs> but no, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, yeah, we love the music. I'm so glad you guys were willing to come on today. Um, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I just listened to the, the rest of the EP, and uh, I love everything that's come out. To be honest, I'm so glad you guys are on here. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We're we're glad to be here. Yeah, and and hey, next show, if we could get some backstage laminates, man, yeah, we're not worthy, bro. Know. We're not worthy. All right. No need to ask twice. We're on it. All right, man. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time today. And uh, have a great rest of your uh, holiday weekend here. Yes, happy Labor Day. All right, thanks, guys. guys. Bye. 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 All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.